Ginjiro has been traveling over the past few months and has come to witness the changing of seasons. Now situated on the north coast of the country, he has witnessed the changing of seasons from the humidity of summer along the great internal sea to now the cool fall mornings upon the north coast of the country. Even now, having spent a couple days recovering from his traversing across the mountain pass, Ginjaro can feel the underlying chill in the air. He can feel the end of fall and the transition into winter. Even now, upon the foothills leading into the Japanese mountains, splashes of color can be seen dotting the hillside. These splashes of color slowly making their way down toward the endless Japanese coastline, heralding the end of summer and the beginning of winter. Even as he makes his way further north along the island, Ginjaro knows that with the coming of winter, travel will get much more difficult, and his consistent travels will likely have to slow, especially along the snowy north coast of the island. However, the beginning of winter is still many weeks away, and Ginjaro gathers up his belongings and sets off from the small little coastal fishing village he had spent the last couple of nights in. The road running along the north coast is fairly well traveled, being the primary route from the capital to the third largest city on the island, the de facto capital of the north, where the Kitsune clan resides, as we learned from our encounter on the road a few days ago, when we met one of the samurai from this new clan along a pass through the mountains. This well-traveled trail brings us to a small town. This small town is known specifically for its access to delicious boar meat that comes from the rather dense vegetation coming down from the foothills of the mountain onto this small plain where this small town resides, populated mostly by hunters and butchers and even a tanner. The stink of this town can be smelled from miles away. Even with his growing reputation and being glanced over, eyed up and down by the guards standing watch over this small town, likely just volunteers to watch over the town, taken from the various groups of hunters, given their attire and the bows strapped across their back. Ginjuro enters the stinking, muddy streets and is surrounded by the cacophony of sound coming from the tanners, the butchers, Fletcher, and even a blacksmith, as this industrious little town goes about their daily lives at the tail end of fall and the end of the hunting season. As we wander the twisting streets of this town, as Ginjiro makes his way around one of the acrid tanner shops, wet hides stretched, drying in the late dry fall air, comes across a group of soldiers. These soldiers who appear to be harassing one of the merchants in this small town have the mark of the Kitsune clan on their clothing. This distinctive symbol clearly showing Ginjaro that he is now within their territory, falling within their domain. It appears as though perhaps their financial situation is not doing so well, as they are more or less extorting one of the merchants for what is effectively protection money, or as they call it, security taxes. 
these entrepreneurial merchants are seen by a lot of the different daimyo across the country as more or less leeches to the economy, since the majority of taxes are paid in rice at this time. And these merchants, obviously not being farmers, generally deal with a very rudimentary coinage. And the daimyo, needing food to feed their soldiers, have a hard time taking this coinage and converting it into something usable. So, a lot of the time, they're taking what they see as their taxes as a percentage of whatever these merchants create. Hides in particular, to create leather armor or whatever other things are valuable to these martial kingdoms. And it seems like the Kitsune clan in particular is in need, or at least greatly desires, some of the high-quality hides and leather goods being produced in this small town. Looking up at his sudden arrival, the man who is clearly the commander of this small group of six soldiers snarls at the sight of this armed man walking clearly without any distinction, any kind of connection to either the Kitsune clan or any of the other smaller clans which fall either within or nearby their domain. Shoving the merchant down into the muck, this man stalks up towards Ginjaro, planting himself squarely in the road blocking his way. Behind him, the five other men under his authority create a semicircle around our lone ronin. Halt, the man commands. You, what is your name? What is your allegiance? Ginjaro crosses his arms across his chest, hand near the sword at his hip. My name is my own, and my business is none of your concern. Let me pass. There's no need for violence this day. The man merely spits in the mud towards Ginjaro. You trespass here, Ronin. I can smell you all the way from here. These are Kitsune lands, and you, fool, must pay a tax in order to pass. Ginjaro merely shrugs at the idea. I have no coin to my name, and no goods to give you in kind. The man spits again on the ground, and looking at the fine Naginata on Ginjaro's back, and the sword at his hip. Give me your weapons, Ronin, and I'll let you go. The evil smile which crosses the man's face makes Ginjaro think that unlikely. However, he undoes the belt at his waist, dropping his sword to the ground. Taking his pack off, lets it fall into the mud with a wet slope. Okay, look, I can't give you my weapons. I need them. There's something I need to do. Ginjudo's eyes narrow to a slit below the wide casa atop his head. A cool fall breeze blows through the town, bringing not only the stink of the butcher, but also causing the dingy, long-faded hakama of Ginjudo's to flap in the wind. The leader of this group of, well, more or less thugs, even though they wear the badge of the Kitsune clan, raises a hand and motions his men to surround the ronin. Ginjaro reaches to his back, drawing the long and finely made Naginata, the gift from his friend and mentor Shin, the Naginata simply known as Kiru. Squaring off with the men trying to circle him, Ginjaro explodes into motion, charging forth with Kiru, swinging wildly at the first man who is wielding a simple yari or spear and clad in light leather armor, bringing down the curved, sharp blade at the end of the naginata down towards the man. 
Ginjiro has to turn abruptly at the end of his swing in order to avoid being skewered by another man attacking him from the rear. Clearly, these men, these soldiers, are not trained in Blushido. They have no honor. They have no dignity. They will use gang tactics on Ginjiro. Spinning back around the tip of his naginata, cutting brilliantly through the air, Ginjiro cuts right through the cheaply made Yari of the man behind him who almost skewered him. The man lets out a cry as the finely crafted and sharp blade of Kiru goes straight through the haft of the spear and deep into the man's neck, a mortal wound. The other men seeing an opportunity at hand lash out against Ginjiro, one of them wielding a simple club, leaping into a forward dive. Ginjiro rolls out in a forward somersault back onto his feet, Naginata behind him impaling cleanly through another of the soldiers. In less than ten seconds, two of the men lay wounded, writhing on the ground before Ginjiro. With bloody Naginata in hand, Ginjiro glares at the man rushing towards him, his yari, his simple spear raised as if to skewer the ronin. With his kasa, or hat, having fallen off in his wild roll, Ginjiro's long, unkempt hair blows in the wind, revealing the cut running up from the corner of his mouth nearly to his eye. His scarred visage clearly unnerves the charging man, and he swings wildly at Ginjiro, who is just out of reach. Ginjiro, seeing the spear come by, doesn't even use the naginata on this man, simply elbowing him hard in the face, his nose crunching beneath Ginjiro's elbow and the man falls to the ground, blood splattered across his face, his nose leaking. Ginjiro kicks him swiftly, removing him from the immediate fight. Turning now towards the commander of these, well, ragtag soldiers, Ginjiro merely lowers the Naginata in a defensive position. You have a chance to walk away here. No need for more of your men to die. As if to accentuate his point, he lowers the tip of his Naginata to the man writhing on the ground's neck. I suspect most of your men can be saved here. No need for anyone to die today. The man looks at the lone ronin, a warrior much more powerful than he expected. A warrior who easily dispatched three of his men. He looks at him and narrows his eyes, glaring. His hatred for his station. His hatred for samurai and especially his hatred for the ronin who's free, free of society, and free of his lot of being born into a station. He hates Ginjiro. He wants nothing more than to see him dead, his guts cut open and spilled onto the ground, mixing in with the mud and painting this small town red. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome back to One Guy, One Roll. As always, I am your host, player, and GM Hero Cities, who plays solo role-playing games for your listening pleasure. Happy to be back and recording another podcast for One Guy, One Roll. Probably only going to be able to get one episode done this week because I have to head back out for work again, unfortunately. Although, I'm only going to be gone for another week this time. So hopefully I'll be able to get another episode made in about two weeks' time or so. 
As I'm sure you could tell from our slightly longer than usual intro, we are once again back into the role of Ginjiro, our Ronin, in the Ronin RPG. I've been having a great time with this system. It's becoming a bit of a longer series than I initially expected or even wanted to do, but it's just so much fun. The storytelling, so organic. It just makes me so excited to play, and it makes me want to keep coming back and seeing where exactly Ginjiro is going to end up. As we've been continuing our adventures across Japan during this Sengoku era, we have encountered members of the different clans, we've encountered peasants, we've encountered merchants, and even an old friend who gave us a Naginata. A Naginata named Kiru, which Ginjaro is now using against this group of soldiers from the Kitsune clan. With this series, I found myself explaining the dice rolls a little bit less than I have playing Ironsworn Starforge. But suffice to say, most of them are oracle rolls using the Iron Sworn book. Some of them are probabilities being rolled with the Mythic GM emulator. And others, of course, the various rolls used throughout the Ronin RPG. For me, just making these rolls whenever you hear the dice go, it's from one of those three sources. And instead of describing what all of the rolls are and the different modifiers and all of that, just kind of letting it more organically evolve. I think it helps me get more content into each episode and keeps the action flowing as opposed to having rules explained. If we ever come across a new rule, I will explain it perhaps just once or if I forget, you know, just kind of playing with a new method of storytelling. Regardless, thank you so much for listening to the One Guy One Roll podcast. And without further ado, let's get into it. The commander of this ragtag group of soldiers draws his sword from his scabbard. His overlapping metal plates sewn into a reasonably nice suit of leather armor, jingling slightly as they're jostled about, stares daggers at Ginjiro. The tip of Ginjiro's Naginata Kiru, resting atop the fallen man with the broken nose's neck, who stares up at our lone, gigantic monster of a man towering over him in fear, acrid smell of urine filling the air. What does this man do? We are attempting to intimidate him. The dark die is our opponent. The light die is our intimidate. We add our reputation, which for us is five. It's almost impossible for us to fail this roll. The man, having freshly drawn his sword, glaring down its length towards Ginjaro, motions for his men to get up, the ones that can. The man with the cut neck, lying passed out from shock or perhaps dead, grabbed by the arms and drugged by one of his friends. Ginjiro keeps the tip of the Naginata pressed against the man on the ground's neck. Turn and walk away, Commander, and I will go my way. You won't see me again. As you guessed, I am a ronin, a wanderer. Ginjiro looks towards the man whose lifeblood is mixing with the mud from the deep slash wound through his neck. That man may not make it. But count yourself lucky, for the rest of you shall walk away. And walk away, they do. And Ginjiro, a man of his word, leaves the man with the broken nose in the mud. Gathering up his equipment, strapping his katana back to his waist, he continues along his road. Although, more than likely, they will be passing the information of this lone wandering ronin to the daimyo in charge of the Kitsune clan. 
or at least some of his samurai retainers. However, since we intimidated this group of soldiers and didn't win the fight per se, we do not gain reputation. However, it was eventually going to turn against us with the dice rolls, given that we, they were rolling a plus one and we were rolling a plus two. We even lost one of the dice rolls, meaning we only had one block left. Seemed the safer option. Turning his back on the stinking butcher's town, with the cold fall air blowing across the open ocean to his left, Ginjuro continues along the coastal road, a relatively wide and well-made road. He continues through the night, not wishing to encounter this group of soldiers again. And by morning, tired and ragged, he is determined to continue on throughout the day. However, luck is no longer on his side. Upon crossing a large wooden bridge in the late afternoon the next day, with the sun just beginning to dip down to the horizon, casting long shadows from the bright splashes of color which have begun to show in the trees, even down as far as the coastal road. This road, well maintained, well taken care of, has come to a mighty river. This mighty river near the outskirt of the capital of this province. A capital controlled by the Kitsune clan. A clan whom Ginjiro has tangled with before. A clan we know is hostile in general to Ronin. As well as a clan that is hostile having just won a long civil war to overthrow a much larger and powerful clan. On this large yet battered wooden bridge, there sits a woman on the edge of the bridge on one of the railings. Seeing the unmistakable Ginjuro approach, she hops down from the railing of this bridge, standing to block Ginjuro's way. My, my, you are a big one. Kazekane Yoshiro described you, although you're a little more tattered than I expected. However, she looks up towards him with her long black hair reaching down past her waist. She shakes her head, and the silky, glistening hair catches the dying light from the slowly sinking sun. Unfortunately, Ginjuro, or Ginjuro the Orphan, as you are called by the Kazikane, your wandering is over. Your time is up. It's time for you to die. And, of course, for Fumiko, the Kira, to get paid. She begins to take a step towards Ginjuro. Still with no weapons in hand, however, looped up and attached to her belt is a rare weapon. A weapon more about finesse than about strength. A weapon about coordination. A weapon consisting of a comma, a small sickle-like blade with a curved edge, attached to a long chain with a small metal ball at the end. This weapon, known as the Kusarigama, is known to be employed not by Kazikani clan itself, but some of their ninja allies. Why this woman, why this Fukimo the Kira did not attempt to ambush or sneak attack Ginjiro is unknown to him. However, she reaches down and detaches the Kusarigama from her belt and begins twirling around the Kama at the end of the chain, whistling through the air as it does so. Ginjiro, still about 20 meters away, stops, unshouldering his pack and looking at the woman, who is fairly attractive, although more in an athletic way than traditional beauty. 
and holds up his hand, still outside of reach of the Kusarigama. Tell me, Fumiko, I assume with your title that you are an assassin. Why do you want to fight me? What's in it for you? We're going to attempt to talk to her, get a little more information. We roll and add our determination. Without bringing the Kasurigama to a stop, Fumiko narrows her eyes towards Ginjuro. So, the beast of a man does talk. Look, Ronin, you're not getting out of this one. Kazekane Yoshiro himself hired me to do this, personally. Apparently, he is very upset with you, Ginjuro. Did you really think you could get away with what you did? That your lies and setting of false expectations could woo the hand of a daimyo himself? And when that did not go your way, did you really think that he was going to forget what you tried to do? Did you really think that she loved you and wasn't just using you? You're a fool, Ginjiro. And now I will take your head and bring it back to Kazekana Yoshiro for not only the benefit of my clan, but also my own personal reward. And with that, she explodes into action, running across the bridge at lightning speed, spinning the Kusarigama wildly above her head. Ginjiro, taken aback slightly by her mad rush, manages to duck underneath the lightning quick strike from the small iron ball at the end, which goes whistling barely over his head as he draws out his katana and rushes towards the woman who is now recovering from her missed attack. However, he is unfamiliar with this weapon, and the miss was just part of a feint. As he closes on in, the weighted end of the chain comes whipping back around Fumiko's body, causing her to spin with the momentum and bringing the sharp end of the kama whistling back towards Ginjuro's face. Barely gets his katana up in time to knock the sickle away, and the two of them stare at each other, both suspecting that they have underestimated their opponent. The two of them react at the same time, launching off the rotten floorboards of this bridge towards each other, both of them striking out with their close weapons, parrying, dodging, weaving, the weighted end of the Kusurigama nearly taking off Ginjiro's head as he scrambles away, yet before she can land another hit, stabs wildly backwards with his katana, causing her to bend nearly all the way backwards, showing off her immense flexibility and dexterity as she flips into a backward somersault, landing on her feet with Ginjuro's back towards her. She lashes out with the chain, attempting to trip him. However, he jumps up onto the railing of the bridge, which groans and creaks in protest as the surprisingly dexterous large man runs along the raised portion of the bridge, slashing wildly at the woman, his katana whistling through the air. And as it looks like he's about to take off her head, he catches the bare glimpse of a smirk on her face, and suddenly he is blinded with a white-hot flash as she takes something out of her pocket, smashing it onto the ground in front of her. Some sort of trick. Momentarily blinded, Ginjuro nearly falls off the edge of the bridge. Luck being on his side, he slips, plummeting over the edge of the bridge. Yet as he does so, he reaches out, grabbing hold of the chain of the Kasurigama as the metal ball wraps around his arm. And the much stronger Ginjuro, with the red, reaching fingers of the setting sun slipping below the endless sea, pulls Fumiko over the edge with him and the two of them go splashing down into the cold river below. 
the current of the river, pulling, dragging, tearing at Ginjiro, his baggy, loose hakama not aiding him in swimming. However, Fumiko, not expecting the shock of the river, is momentarily stunned, the freezing cold water threatening to drag her to the bottom with the weighted end of her kasurigama. The athletic woman, kicking and splashing her way to the shore, reaches the edge of the river first, pulling herself out. She spins around, seeing Ginjiro nearly to the edge, she lashes out, nearly decapitating the ronin as he pulls himself out, body nearly in shock from the freezing cold mountain water. However, seeing the end of this kama coming towards him, he manages a half-assed roll to the side, Bones shaking, mouth chittering, the two of them square off on the rocky shore. Her once silky black long hair matted to the side of her face. She stares at Ginjiro with hate. My, my, for being a peasant, you sure do know how to fight, Ronin. Ginjiro merely coughs up some water from his lungs. Let's end this now, Ginjiro merely says back. I will still let you walk away, Fumiko. There is no need for your, and he gets cut off as she brings the weighted end of the Kasurigama back around her body, lightning quick in a spin, sending the ball hurtling at Ginjiro, who barely gets his blade up in time to deflect the hurtling iron ball, the force of which leaves his arm numb at the impact, nearly tearing the katana from his hand. However, given the strength-sapping nature of the freezing river, she is slowed considerably, and Ginjiro, being a giant of a man, seemingly less affected by the cold, comes charging up behind the retracting chain as it whips back around her body again. However, just as the last rays of the red sun dip below the horizon, Ginjiro leads with his katana out in front of him. At the same time, she brings her kama her curved sickle blade up in defense against his slashing blade. Ginjiro goes running past and for a moment thinks he missed. How could have he missed? He could feel her long hair as he went by. He could feel it drawn into his wake, the wake of his charge, spinning back around, expecting to get impaled, cut, and gutted by the deadly weapon. Reflected, glinting, the wetness on his blade matches that of the blood-red sunset. Turning back around to look at Fumiko, standing there with a dumbfounded look on her face. A face no longer attached to the body it once inhabited. Completely cut clean at the neck, her torso rockets blood, spewing up, matching that bloody sunset. The red mixes with the red, and Ginjiro looks down at himself, somehow clean, the blood of his old enemies washed clean by the mighty river. It takes a moment for her body to topple over. Ginjiro looks down at it and sighs. That was unnecessary, Fumiko. However, a hired killer lives by the sword and dies by it. He spends the rest of the evening making a fire bandaging his wounds, weighting down her body, tossing it into the river, letting it get swept out into the ocean. When at last he finishes, a cold half-moon stares down like a winking eye towards Ginjiro as he sits watching the flames lick up at the logs. He reflects upon her words. He remembers the woman who betrayed him, the woman he loved, well, thought he loved, and the wicked deed he did for her. The one that cost him everything. The one that cost him his life. 
the one that cost him his smile. He reaches a hand up to the scar across his face. All the running for nothing. Still, the man hunts me. Still, the Kazakani comes after me. Yet still, despite my wants, I cannot surrender my blade yet. Not until he is finally vanquished. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of One Guy, One Roll. As we continued to expand upon the story of Ginjiro using the Ronin RPG. Once again, as with every episode with this series, I had a fantastic time using this system. If you're looking for a rules light, easy to follow, simple solo RPG, especially if you're interested in Japanese history, Japanese samurai culture, or anything like that, could not recommend a system more. Super simple to use, yet elegant in the stories you're able to craft. The Ronin RPG is inexpensive and extremely well made. In fact, pretty much this entire story of Ginjiro, besides the very basic outline that we created during episode one, has been a organically crafted story. The story itself has come about entirely driven by the dice. It's cool. It's fun to see that kind of storytelling where you don't have anything other than a vague idea slowly morph and come into shape, becoming something unique, something unpredictable. As I mentioned in the introduction, I'm going to be leaving again to travel for work, unfortunately. So it's probably going to be another couple of weeks until I'm able to create the next episode of the One Guy, One Roll podcast. Of course, as always, none of this would be possible without the extremely generous support of my Patreons over on patreon.com slash one guy, one roll. If you're at all interested in helping to support the podcast and keeping this ongoing content possible, please do go and check it out. Your contributions go directly to the podcast and none of it would be possible without y'all. Thank you so much, you guys. And an especially big thank you to Journeyman James, Journeyman JL, Journeyman Matt, Journeyman Nick, and Apprentice Sam. Thank you so much, y'all. I really appreciate your support. And for everybody else, thank you so much for continuing to listen along to the One Guy, One Roll podcast. I do it for y'all to listen to, and just thanks for tuning in again. Anyways, I've been Hero Cities, your host, player, and GM on the One Guy, One Roll solo RPG podcast. Signing off. Have a great day and stay safe out there, y'all.